In preparation for today's message, you shall be reading from the book of Exodus chapter 10. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may perform these signs of mine among them, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and of your grandson how I made a mockery of the Egyptians and how I performed my signs among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your territory. They shall cover the face of the land, so that no one will be able to see the land. They will also eat the rest of what escaped, what is left to you from the hail. And they will eat every tree which sprouts for you out of the field. Then your houses shall be filled, and the houses of all your servants, and the houses of all the Egyptians. Something which neither your fathers nor your grandfathers have seen from the day that they came upon the earth until this day. And he turned and went out from Pharaoh. Pharaoh's servants said to him, How long will this man be a snare to us? Let the man go, that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you re not realize that Egypt is destroyed? So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go, serve the Lord your God. You are the ones that are going. Moses said, We shall go with our young and our old, with our sons and daughters, their flocks and our herds. We shall go, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. Then he said to them, Thus may the Lord be with you, if ever I let you and your little ones go. Take heed, for evil is in your mind. Not so. Go now, the men among you, and serve the Lord, for that is what you desire. So they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, that they may come up on the land of Egypt and eat every plant of the land, even all that the hail has left. So Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt, and the Lord directed an east wind on the land all that day and all that night. And when it was morning, the east wind brought the locusts. The locusts came up over all the land of Egypt and settled in all the territory of Egypt. They were very numerous. There had never been so many locusts, nor would there be so many again. For they covered the surface of the whole land so that the land was darkened. And they ate every plant of the land and all the fruit of the trees that the hail had left. Thus nothing green was left on tree or plant of the field for all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh hurriedly called for Moses and Aaron, and he said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now therefore, please forgive my sin only this once, and make supplication to the Lord your God, that he would not only remove this death from me. 
he went out from Pharaoh and made supplication to the Lord. So the Lord shifted the wind to a very strong west wind, which took up the locusts and drove them into the Red Sea. Not one locust was left in all the territory of Egypt. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and did not let the sons of Israel go. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward the sky, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even a darkness which may be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky, and there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. They did not see one another, nor did they, anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the sons of Israel had light in their dwellings. Then Pharaoh called to Moses and said, Go, serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be detained. Even your little ones may go with you. But Moses said, You must also let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings, that we may sacrifice them to the Lord our God. Therefore our livestock too shall go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind, for we shall take some of them to serve the Lord our God. And until we arrive there, we ourselves do not know with what we shall serve the Lord. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he was not willing to let them go. Then Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me. Beware, do not see my face again. For in the day you see my face, you shall die. Moses said, you are right, I shall never see your face again. Praise God for the reading of this word. You may now be seated. The title of today's sermon is No Compromise. God sent plagues against Pharaoh and Egypt. In this text, the writer recorded the plague of locusts. That every green thing was eaten by the locust and the plague of darkness that covered Egypt for three days. God sent Moses to demand Pharaoh to let the people go. At first, Pharaoh said, you may go, only the men. But after the plague, he said, okay, okay, let the whole family can go, but except the livestock. But he would then change his mind, therefore no one could leave. Who can stand against God's will? One day all Israel will leave Egypt. The Egyptians would be more than willing to give the Hebrews their precious things when they leave. Or get out of here and you can have all this. Just leave. It shall be a great plunder. Even though Israel did not wage war, only God waged war against Egypt. But before that, the worst of all the plagues will come and break the hearts of the Egyptians. And that we will study in the next few chapters. Pharaoh tried to compromise. Moses said, this is what the Lord wants. Then he said, only the men can go. The others cannot. He was compromising. He was saying, you can go except these things only. These are my conditions. The Lord is not one to bend to men. When he made it clear, when his command is clear, 
Nobody should bend it. It's as clear as it goes. Then after suffering and hoping Moses would relieve his pain and the pain of his people, okay, everybody can go except the livestock. That was not God's will. He was trying to compromise. God would not accept it. Pharaoh hardened his heart, and after several plagues, it was God who hardened his heart. Remember this, that one of the judgments that God gives is removing the breaks. Some people become more evil. And that is actually one sign of God's judgment. You get deeper into the mud, deeper into the mire. This is consistent even with Romans chapter 1. God gave them up to their depraved minds. That is the, whole re the story of the whole human race until we come to Christ. Then something changes. So if you feel convicted of evil, of sin, you are disturbed in your heart, then there is hope for you. It is my prayer that we do not harden our hearts once we learn what Scripture says. What God says it is what God says. First, we believe and obey it. Other negotiations can come after we believe it totally. When I say negotiations, it's not changing what the Word says. It's like Moses saying, asking for mercy for Israel, praying, give us your mercy, Lord, because God wanted to destroy Israel. Yet, it was part of God's character to be merciful. So we can appeal to that. Appeal to who God is. Point number one, God's power was evident. Consequently, the Egyptians began to fear. This would be the eighth plague. Pharaoh's official advised Pharaoh to let the people go. They tried to show Pharaoh, don't you see, Egypt is in ruins. Can't you see? But you see, the hardened heart and the stubborn mind cannot see. The stubborn mind, the hardened heart is blind. Even though Egypt was in ruins, plague after plague after plague after plague, yet he would be stubborn not to obey the will of God. And we would see this hardened heart even until he crossed the Red Sea. He would not even stop to marvel at the amazing miracle of the Red Sea splitting in two and Israel would walk in dry land. He would be so stubborn as still wanting to kill Israel. But that would cause his downfall. We must learn about how God deals with a stubborn person. And we must hope that we would not be one of them. Can God really do this to someone? I thought he's a God of love. Have you heard that before? It's also the fault of many preachers of not preaching the whole word of God. Some preachers love topical preaching and they focus on some topics they love, such as the love of God, but never really preaching the whole of Scripture, showing 
that God is just and there is justice. Justice must be served as well. Our God is love, but he is also just. We are a society with laws. And if somebody murders somebody, he must pay for it. We cannot just say, oh, don't you love Mayor Sanchez? Why don't we just let him go? He didn't even pay the damage fees to the family. That's history. Kalawan Mayor murdered two UPLB students. One was raped several times and murdered. The other one was murdered just by being a companion. And after many years, people are saying he should not, we should not let him go. Where is the love? My belief is he should stay. But do not give the reason of love without justice. Do not use that against God. For if you use that, then you don't know the God of the Bible. You have concocted a God in your own mind. God is like this. God is like that. That's from your own mind. Somebody said, let God be God as who he is. According to what scripture revealed. Yes, he is love. He is. But he is just. And we cannot separate that. So I don't, I don't make apologies for God. If your God could kill people, then I cannot serve that God. Okay, go ahead, serve other gods and see what happens to you one day. For everybody shall face the judgment seat of Christ. Friends, we make no apologies for who God is. He loves us through Christ. Through Christ is the grace and mercy of God. Outside Christ, there is none. Oh, he blesses the world with rain. He blesses the world with still preserving it and not destroying it like in the days of Noah. That is mercy already. But mercy about our souls is in Christ alone because it was only Christ who was worthy to receive the wrath and justice of God against sin. That's why he is the only one who can justify. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh. God ordered Moses, point three. God ordered Moses to continuously and consistently warn Pharaoh. Moses was obedient, consistently. Oh, he would argue at first, why me? Why me? Why did you choose me? I'm not good enough. But then he gave in to the will of God. And from then on, even at times he felt depressed and desperate, he still obeyed the Lord. Consistently going to Pharaoh, he kept saying the same words, let God's people go. Wow, what if we were Moses, we kept doing something again and again with little results? What do we do? We keep obeying. Amen? What if I preach here and see no results in your lives for a few years? I would want to resign, but if it is the Lord's will, I will stay and keep preaching 
God's word. Moses was obedient to God, even if Pharaoh remained stubborn. But after the plague of darkness, they would not see each other again. Ninth plague, darkness. Application, friends, let us respect God. Fear God. He is powerful. The gods of Egypt could not stand against God. In fact, the very plagues is a mockery against the gods of Egypt. Do not be blind to what is happening to you and to those around you. Watch carefully. God's hand might be at work. Let me just share to you before we end the series on the plagues that indeed every plague that God sent was to challenge the gods of Egypt. The first plague was turning water to blood. The magicians were able to do it. There was this god named Kanum, guardian of the river's resource. Egyptians worship this god. Another was the god Hapi, H-A-P-I. He was a god of the annual flooding of the Nile. Osiris was the Nile, had the Nile as his bloodstream. Osiris. They believe that the water is his blood. <laughs> so God, okay, let's open the veins and let the blood pour. The frog, hecht. H-E-Q-T, was an Egyptian goddess with a head of a frog. Frogs flooded Egypt. The Egyptians could not stop it. They duplicated the miracle, but they could not stop it. The gnats or lies, L-I-C-E. Geb was a god over the dust of the earth. Is anybody here named Geb? Seems like a popular name. G-E-B. So God used lies and knots to attack Egypt. And their God could not do anything. Plague four, the flies. Kepri had the head of a beetle and also moved the sun. Plague five, it was the sick cattle. Hathor was a fertility goddess who was often depicted with the head or horns of a bull, and sometimes as a bull wearing the symbols of Hathor. Plague six, the boils. Isis was the goddess of health, and Imhotep was the god of healing, and they could do nothing against the boils. By this time, the Egyptians, Egyptian sorcerers and magicians had boils. The plague seven, hail. Nut was the goddess of the sky, and her father Shu, god of the wind and air, was a coming god, and they could do nothing about the hail. Plague eight, locusts, Nepper, and Nepri were the god and goddess of grain. Set was the god of disorder. The locusts came and ate all the leaves of the grain. There will be darkness. That would be Ra, 
the God of the sun, was the most worshipped and revered God in Egypt. Ra. Now, God showed he had power even against the mightiest of the gods of Egypt. He created the sun. God created the sun, and they would worship another one? And the last plague, the death of the firstborn, was like the judgment of what Pharaoh did to the firstborn of the Hebrews. It is a judgment of, against all the gods and a judgment against Pharaoh. In these days, idolatry is different since Constantine tried to evangelize. Since the natives were stubborn, he tried to compromise. Huh? Mary was never prayed to. There was no infant Jesus worshipped in the early days in the New Testament. Read the Bible. It's not there. It's absolutely not there. But then Constantine said, okay, let's compromise. We also have a mother and child. So why don't we just change the names of your gods to ours? And why don't we create an infant Jesus that you can worship? So we also have a baby Jesus now that we pray to. Is Jesus a baby today? What do you think? Dear baby Jesus, for a grown man and a powerful person in the universe, you don't call him, hello baby. Only my wife can call me baby and she doesn't. You don't call me baby, okay? I might invite you to a boxing match if you call me baby. <laughs> and I'm sure if you call any grown man here, hello baby, they would be so insulted. All right? You don't pray to a baby Jesus. It's the resurrected son of God. The cross is not even the main symbol of Christianity. The cross was a center of Roman torture. Like if that's today, we should not be wearing crosses here. You know what we should be wearing? Injections. Lethal injection. Cross was a symbol of Roman torture and death. The most gruesome death anyone can suffer. The symbol is the resurrected Christ which we don't have a symbol for. We just believe. He is king. He said in the end of Matthew, all authority has been given to me. They worshipped him. Then he says, go therefore. It was the command of the king of the universe. Go. There is no other name. We cannot compromise. One name only. Clear? We do not compromise God's word. That's why we have softened it. The word has been softened, watered down. You know what's watered down? It's like pouring wine in a glass one third and pouring water the rest of the way. It's watered down. Not the real thing anymore. 
It's not the real thing anymore. Just like how we make coffee here, right? We have a little coffee and a lot of milk and then a lot of sugar. That's not real coffee. <laughs> it's milk with a little coffee, right? <laughs> what are you drinking? Milk with a little coffee. That's accurate. The Word of God has not been accurate anymore because what? We have presented the gospel without the justice of God, without the wrath of God. We overemphasize His love without the justice. It, has an it created an imbalanced perspective. We preach acceptance as Lord and Savior without clarifying that there must be repentance. We have be preached faith without repentance. True faith leads to repentance. Always does, always will. It's watered down. So anybody who accepted through a prayer can now claim, I am saved. If there's true faith, you are. And true faith leads to repentance. Yes, we are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves us is never alone. Even as we studied Romans, after faith, it includes sanctification. We grow in holiness. We let go of the bad habits. It may be a process, but it's still a process that we go through. But if you come to Christ without a process, without any, any conviction of sin, you just go to church, but sin doesn't matter to you. No, sin must disturb us. As well as the joy of the Lord should encourage us. The mercy of Jesus and the love of Jesus should comfort us. Yet we must be disturbed every time we sin. If you are not disturbed, you do not have a healthy concept of God. Because if you know who God is, this powerful God who did this to Pharaoh, He may, if He wants to, harden your heart. And I pray, Lord, please do not. Let us respect God and fear God. We don't preach that that much anymore. If you preach the Bible chronologically, expositional but chronological, not just my favorite topics, you know the percentage of the justice is more than the love? There are approximately 30 verses of the love of God in the whole Bible. It's real, but it's too precious to share. The book of Acts, how many times did they preach on the love of God as they evangelized? You will not see one verse in the book of Acts. They did preach the righteousness of Christ. Paul in his epistle to the Romans and Ephesians and etc. preached on the righteousness of Christ. We have the wrong emphasis these days. Like instead of coming to Jesus, we come to whoever saint we know. And instead of looking at scripture of how, who God is, we emphasize things that are not emphasized. Like worship songs, there's too much sentimental intimacy, which is not wrong, but you ever overemphasize it. And they are less about the righteousness of God. Less, almost none about the wrath of God. Almost zero these days. 
We need to understand sin and the wrath of God and the importance of righteousness through Christ. Then we experience the love of God. Where is that in our music today? We have created music as if Jesus was our boyfriend. So I challenge you, study the scriptures, chronological, expositional, and be faithful to God's word. Book of Romans, it did mention about the love of God, chapter 8, and I believe chapter 5. Two parts. Most was about the righteousness of God. Because if you're not righteous in God, you will experience the wrath of God. And the only way to get away from the wrath of God to be saved is through Christ. And what does that mean? A relationship with Christ like he's your boyfriend? It means have faith and repent of your sins. For by grace we are saved. No, no, we are not saved by good works. We are saved for good works. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and don't forget verse 10. It says we are saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. It is a gift of God that no one should boast. No one should boast of their own good works. It's, we're only saved by grace. We cannot save ourselves. For we are his workmanship for good works. We are not saved by our own works. We are saved by the grace of God for works. Not by works. For works. We are saved so we can obey. So we can do the works of scripture. I pray that we all study the scripture and we would have a healthier view of God. For if you did not go through Isaiah, for example, when he had this vision in Isaiah 6 of the throne of God and the seraphim shouting, holy, holy, holy. And there was an earthquake in the place, smoke filled the room. And the feet of God, the train of his robe, filled the temple. And there was Isaiah, the high priest, trembling, saying, I am undone. I am ruined. I have seen the God of the universe. They cried, holy, holy, holy. You know what that means in scripture? Even in Jewish tradition, anything repeated three times, it's the maximum. Maximum. Nothing more than that. If it's repeated two times... In Jewish literature, it's important. If it's three times, it's the utmost. But then you don't see he is love, love, love. What do you see? He is holy, holy, holy. Repeated in the, in the book of Revelations and in Isaiah 6. Holy, holy, holy. So we dare not like Pharaoh go against God. Would you? Would you? I remember the times I was tempted right in front of me. Forgive me, darling. It's a pretty girl. <laughs> Indecent proposal. Nobody was there. Just me. What stopped me? 
Certainly not the fear of my wife, though every wife can be so fearsome and fierce. We don't even want to get in our wife's bad side. We only want in their good side. But even if I know that all women can be worse than hell in their scorn, I was not afraid. I was afraid. I feared God. Because doing that act is an act against God. And so I thought, I'm not afraid of anybody except him. You see, this man is not afraid even to die, if I have to die for a right cause. I feared no one except him. So no matter what the temptation comes to us, I say we give no reason. We give no excuses. But God, I felt weak. I couldn't resist it. Oh, no, 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 no. Is that clear? Young men and women? Young men in black? Why are you wearing black? Okay. <laughs> Everybody's wearing dark colors here. <laughs> uh, did you talk to each other? No, you didn't. So it felt like you were giving a special number here or something. <laughs> well, you should next time since you caught our attention. So, number two, do not compromise God's standard. There is no middle ground. We either commit to follow Christ and His word or not. There's no middle ground. But again, the preaching of many preachers, some of them, I'm sorry, some of them would say, maybe God is not the center of your heart yet, but He's already in your heart. He's just not a center. A piece of lie again. Jesus said, unless you deny yourself, you cannot follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. He said, Luke 14, unless you give up everything, everything, you cannot be my disciple. You cannot be my follower. The disciples were called Christians. It's the same thing. Acts eleven twenty six. 26. But then we have that even in campus ministries, in their nice little pamphlets. I said, for crying out loud, do these people study the Bible? Or if they did, they pick the verses that are easy. But if you study the whole thing. You'll have a different perspective. There is no middle ground. It's either you follow or not. I'm not saying you will be perfect. You just make the commitment 100%. I'm not saying you'll be perfect. I'm saying you are fully decided. That's it. And then you pursue with all your might, with all your heart. And if ever you do commit a sin, you immediately come to God and say, Forgive me, Lord. That's the relationship. He don't pursue sin. He don't concoct a plan to commit more sin. We make a commitment. Like for example, let me give you an example. Huh? Psalm chapter 1. You know why Psalm chapter 1 is in chapter 1? Because it's called Psalm chapter 1, right? But you see, when it was arranged, the song, it's, it's like a hymn book, okay? A list of songs. Why was it put there? 
It's one of the most important short songs. Because the Jew must make a commitment in verse 1. Blessed is the man. The word blessed there is enviable is the man. Who does not walk in the path of sinners, nor stand. Who does not walk in the way of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful or, the, or mockers. It's poetic. Walk, stand, and sit. It means you are careful who you are with. Your friends will reveal who you are. If your closest friends are not in Christ, it reveals who you are. If your friends are gossipers, it reveals who you are. You immediately make a decision who I walk with. I'd rather walk with a believer who fears God and loves God, but we are incompatible person in our personality. I'd rather walk with that person than somebody who may be compatible with me, but they do not fear God. Oh, we connect with them to share the gospel. We don't connect with them to be comfortable with them. So tell me who are your friends and I'll show you who you are. Yeah, you know what they say? Birds of a feather flock together. Why? Because you cannot avoid influencing one another. We cannot compromise that. Since I met the Lord until today, I try to be as careful as I can to who my friends are. I build connections to share the gospel, yes. But I'm never comfortable in the discussion. When they talk about their other women, I am never comfortable. When they talk about other stuff that is against God's word, I am never comfortable. Or not just talking about the work of God or the righteousness of God. Any word is not put there, I am not comfortable. But I do it to connect. Jesus did not separate himself from the world. He's still connected. But every time he was with the Pharisees, he spoke against because they were hypocrites. But he would go to those who are sinners but are willing to listen. Willing to listen. We do not compromise the standard of God. We cannot even select, Lord, ito lang susundin ko, ito hindi. Do not refuse the call of God. Do not refuse the gospel. Do not refuse the call of God to repent of our sins and believe in Him. Number three, let us be consistent in sharing God's word like Moses to others even if family, friends, acquaintances, and society is stubborn. We do not stop. There is no other name that we may be saved except the name of Jesus our Lord. Can you say after me, no compromise? No compromise. No compromise. No compromise. One more time, no compromise. no compromise. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me, only through Christ. It's not biblical that if you pray 
to his mother, then mother will soften Jesus' heart. If you need something from me, talk to me, not my mother. No matter how wonderful my mother is. Is that clear? I'm just giving an analogy. If I need something from you, do I talk to your mother or do I talk to you? Or do you want me speaking behind your back? And somehow manipulate my way so that your mother will convince you to like me. Friends, no. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We go direct to him. And I pray that each of our lives here, we say in our lives, no compromise. Okay? When you are tempted, no compromise. When you're tempted to hate somebody, no, 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 no. No compromise. We cannot hate. Oh, but pastor, it seems so, it feels so good to hate sometimes. Yeah. That's where spiritual growth must happen. We must grow spiritually and emotionally. Until such times when we're offended, we just take a deep breath. Lord, I forgive. And you can add at the end, bahala ka na sa kanya. Yeah, the Lord might convict the person. The Lord might correct the person without you doing anything. Or the Lord might discipline the person in his way, not your way. Don't take revenge, for that belongs to God alone. Let us all rise and let us pray. Lord, teach us to be a people who will not compromise your word. Teach us to be a people who will not compromise your standard. For your standard is in the Holy Scriptures. We dare not make it less than it is. We dare not make it easier for the sake of having a name Christian. We will not make the same mistakes as the emperors of old who tried to force the gospel in others. But we will preach it according to what the Bible says. Lord, teach us to be faithful. Remove any stubbornness in us, Lord. Remove the stubbornness in our hearts and minds. Teach us to be humble. Soften our hearts that we may receive your word and that we may grow and that we may mature. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit, may every spiritual blessing be poured out upon you. In Jesus' name. God's people say, Amen. Pagpalapalakpakan natin ng Lord. <laughs>